So we celebrate the life of Christ. We celebrate that he's alive this morning. And you and I are longing for life. God has made us to live. And at the same time, the world around us presses upon us to pursue life. They encourage us to pursue that in different ways. If you'll notice, the world is telling us different things. You know, if you, if you do this, you'll live longer. Or, you know, to improve your life, do this or get that. If you want to increase your happiness, do this or have this. And, and so we will often pursue what the world promises to us as life or a better life. But I believe the truth that we all eventually come to is that these things around us, though they promise life, don't ultimately give it. Um, And we discover that along the way. Though we long for life, eventually our health becomes compromised. Or maybe a a relationship fails, or a, a loved one dies, or the opportunity of a lifetime falls through. Or people betray us. And all of a sudden, the life that we had pursued or we had worked so hard to create is suddenly much less than what we hoped for. But the good news is that real life can be found in something deeper. And so, this morning I want to challenge you to study the words of Jesus. Um, To take a gospel, like the, the gospel of John, and just read what he says and what he does. And if you'll do that, I think it will really surprise you because his teaching goes totally against what the world says. And from the moment that Jesus came into the world, he he lived a life in in a very unpredictable way. Jesus comes and instead of saying an eye for an eye and a tooth for tooth, for a tooth, Jesus teaches us to turn the other cheek. Instead of hating your enemies, his message is to love them. And instead of a political kingdom, he brings a spiritual one. And so Jesus' life was an upside-down way of life. And so this morning we're going to see that the resurrection of Christ turns everything upside down. And Jesus invites you and I to a new way of life. And we're going to look at that invitation. But we're going to start in Matthew 16. Verse 25. In these couple verses, we're going to find a great example of how sometimes things are upside down from how they might look to us or how the world presents these things. So in Matthew 16, verse 25, Jesus says, For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will find it. In other words, he says it's only through death or dying that we find life. And on the surface, that doesn't make a lot of sense. If you think about it, how do you find life by losing it? Or how can you live by dying? It's, it's hard for us to understand that perspective because... Death is not life. Life is life. That's, that's how we see things. And, and the life we see is what we pursue. And so we, we better make the most of it, right? And that's how we usually live. And a carpe diem. Seize the day. Go after it. We try to find life. 
But the truth that Jesus points us to is that we can only find lasting life in him. So this morning, very briefly, I just want to talk about how do we find life in Christ, since this is so different than what the world tells us. Well, Jesus invites us, first of all, to view life and death his way. To view life and death his way. In Matthew 16, 26, the very next verse, Jesus asks a question. He says, what good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world and yet forfeits his soul? In other words, if there's nothing beyond this life, then this life becomes a meaningless exercise in futility. And, And is it really true that in the end, the man or the woman with the most toys wins? Because that's what the world tells us. What good is it if you climb the ladder of success and yet in the process of winning the game of life, you lose your soul? And so this upside-down way of Jesus says there's more to life than life. He teaches that real life is found when we die. And, And understanding that paradox is hard for us. Not just because we're taught that life is life, but because our culture reinforces the idea that death is death. But if you read the words of Jesus, he talks about death differently. He describes it almost as if uh, it's a goal to pursue. But we tend to see death as an enemy to avoid. Uh, We run away from death. We don't even want to talk about it. We we don't even like to say the word death. You know, we'll say when, when someone dies, we'll say they passed away or they're no longer with us. Because death just seems so harsh. We don't like that word. It's, it just seems so final. And we don't want to die. We were made for life, as I said. So we fear death. We run away. But, but you know what? It's inevitable. Uh, unless Christ returns before we breathe our last breath, we are heading for that outcome. So let's talk about death the way Jesus talks about it. A lot of us believe that when we die, we're buried And then our relatives come over to our house and they start arguing over who's going to get our coin collection. That's it. Um, It's over. That's all she wrote. And when it comes to belief in the afterlife, some think hell is a place that preachers have created so that people will attend church better. And they also think that heaven is really nothing more than wishful thinking. It's a fairy tale that's been concocted as a way to cope. And that may be the way we tend to see things if we're honest. Because from what we see, life is life, death is death. But someone came on the scene 2,000 years ago and flipped things upside down. And of course, his name was Jesus. He was God in the flesh. And he fulfilled every prophecy about the Messiah written hundreds of years before his birth. We read that he worked incredible miracles, and he predicted that he would die on a cross for our sins. And and get this, on several occasions, he even predicted that he would come back to life three days later. And so after a brutal execution, Jesus was dead and he was buried, and it appeared that death would have the final word. But turn in your Bibles over to Luke chapter 24. This is the other passage we want to look at this morning. Luke 24, verses 1 through 6. 
This records what happened. Luke chapter 24. It says, On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared. They went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. So Jesus defeated this misconception that death is death. He comes and he conquers the grave. And so because of Jesus, death doesn't win. And that's what Easter is all about. It's the difference between life and death, and it all comes down to the resurrection. As Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15, 14, If Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. And so Jesus' resurrection turns things upside down. And so for us to find life in Him, Jesus invites us to view life and death as He views it, His way, and secondly, to let go of our skepticism over the resurrection. This morning, you might have some skepticism about this story. You may lump it in with the Easter Bunny or Santa Claus, but I want to I encourage you not to do that because it's a story that is firmly rooted in historical fact. And so there's no need really for you to be skeptical because the historical proof of the resurrection is staggering. Um, but, but non-believers will often present some theories to try to explain away the resurrection. And I understand that because nothing has ever happened like this, nor will it ever happen again. It's hard to believe. And I'm not going to take time this morning to talk through all of those different theories, but if you are skeptical, I would invite you to, to sit down and let's have coffee and talk about that. Let's talk about the historical proof and how we can know with certainty that Jesus did rise from the dead. But one theory out there uh, skeptics talk about is the swoon theory. Have you heard about this one? They'll say um, Jesus was crucified, but he never really died. That, that, That somehow in the coolness of the tomb, he was able to revive. Uh, A woman once wrote a letter to J. Vernon McGee, who was a pastor, and she wrote, Our preacher said that Jesus didn't really die. He just swooned on the cross, and then the disciples nursed him back to health. What do you think about this theory? McGee wrote in reply, Dear Sister, Beat your preacher with a leather whip covered with sharp bones and glass with dozens of heavy strokes. Nail him to a cross and hang him in the sun for six hours and then run a spear through his heart. Embalm him and wrap him in linens with 75 pounds of spices atop him and then put him in an airless tomb for three days and see what happens. point is, there's plenty of evidence to convince you that Jesus was dead and that he indeed did rise from the dead. 
But I honestly think the most compelling thing or the most compelling fact is that his followers were so convinced of the resurrection that they were willing to die rather than to deny it. And and there are plenty of people who have died for a lie. For example, martyrs who have died for something that they believe to be true. And, And people even in our day. But here's the difference. No one dies for what they know is untrue. No one dies for what is a lie. So I want to read to you uh, an assortment of descriptions that different historians tell us about the deaths of Christ's closest followers because of their belief in the resurrection. James was beheaded in Jerusalem. Matthew was killed by a sword in Ethiopia. Mark died in Alexandria, Egypt, after being dragged by horses through the streets until he was dead. Luke was hanged in in Greece. Peter was crucified upside down. Thomas was stabbed with a spear in India during a missionary trip. Jude, the brother of Jesus, was killed with arrows when he refused to, to deny his faith in Christ. Very gruesome, very but very real. To think about, if Jesus didn't conquer the grave, don't you think that that all of them, or at least one of them, would have given up this whole resurrection idea? But not one of them did. Because they didn't just believe that Jesus had risen. They knew. They had spent time with the resurrected Lord. And so, this amazing resurrection story, which is true, it turns everything upside down. And Jesus invites you and I to a new way of life. And in order to accept his invitation, we have to view life and death as he sees it. We need to let go of our skepticism over the resurrection because it happened. And finally, we need to see death as life. Christ's resurrection is the difference, not just for his life, but for ours as well. And so as Christians, we need not fear death because although death may take you, it cannot keep you. Amen? I better say that again. If if we're a Christian, we know that death may take us, but it can't keep us. Amen? Amen? All right. If you're not a Christian, if you're not a follower of Christ... It will keep you. In her book, It Had to Be Monday, Jill Briscoe writes about the death of a Christian friend. And during the funeral visitation, the deceased man's wife and sister stood by the casket and greeted people. The sister kept motioning to her brother's body, saying to each person who came to greet her, There he is. There he is. And after some time... When the wife could stand it no longer, she turned to her sister-in-law, and in love she said, If I believed there he is, I would be miserable. And then she added, Do you know what enables me to go through this day? What gets me through is that I know the truth. There he isn't. There he isn't. In 2 Corinthians 5.8, Paul writes, To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. That's what keeps us going. 
our hope for, for a physical resurrection, it's a byproduct of Christ's resurrection. And that upside-down upside way of Jesus is working overtime on the first Easter weekend. Paul puts it well in 1 Corinthians 15.55. He says, Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O grave, is your sting? Really like the way Eugene Peterson puts it in the Message Bible. He says, Death is swallowed by triumphant life. Who got the last word? O death, O death. Who's afraid of you now? And so on that first Easter uh, morning, death was robbed of its victory. So here's what it means for Christians on this Easter, more than 2,000 years later. That life as we know it isn't really life, and that death isn't really death, but death is life. Jesus says, you save your life by losing it. In other words, when we die... We find life. And that's actually true physically, that we're not in the casket at our funeral. Now, you might be thinking, okay, I understand what you're saying here. Someday I'm going to die, but on that day, I won't really die. I will find life. And that's right, but that actually falls short of the implications. The message of Easter is that death is life. And this truth doesn't just comfort you for the day that you take your final breath. This truth is confidence for today. This truth is lived out in our lives. Jesus isn't saying someday when you die, you'll find life. But Jesus is inviting you to find life today. Death is life, not only in the physical sense, that you're not in the casket when you die, but death is life in a spiritual sense. Remember 2 Corinthians 5.17. Paul says, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. And Paul is constantly addressing, addressing Christians in the strangest way. He speaks to them as people who have already died even though physically they're alive. For example, Colossians 3, 3 through 4, it says, For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. And so Paul is talking to Christians who are alive, and yet he speaks of their death in the past tense. Do you realize why he does that? It's because their death has already happened. When they became a Christian, they died to themselves. And you and I, as Christians, are in this process of dying to ourselves and living in the power of Christ. What does that look like in real life? Sounds really good. What does that look like, to die to self? Well, if you're a married person... It may mean instead of getting into a verbal sparring match with your spouse, you choose to die to yourself by biting your tongue and saying kind words. And in the end, it brings life and it transforms your home. In your job, it might mean what you do is not all about you. So instead of bossing others around, you die to self and you begin to find your fulfillment in serving others around you. And it becomes more fulfilling than anything you've ever done before. 
Just a couple of examples. Dying to self leads us to life. It leads us to the life of Christ in us. And so that's the invitation of Easter. Not just to accept that so that someday when you die, you'll have life, but to actually have the life of Christ living in us today. Because your hope and my hope is not in ourselves. We're not going to find life in ourselves, And that's why Jesus makes it clear that whoever loses his life will find it. The resurrection hope that we have is for life today and life after death. And as you think about hope, did you know that the word hope is used 71 times in the New Testament? 71 times. But the word hope is only used once before the resurrection of Christ. In other words, it's used 70 times after the resurrection. I'm not a rocket scientist, but even I can conclude that God wants us to see that our hope is to be placed in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so this morning, my question for you is, will you believe in his resurrection? And will you accept his invitation to real life? If you're not a believer, will you accept that invitation to life? If you are a believer, will you live by that power of his Holy Spirit, of Christ's life, living in you today? Because with Christ, Paul says, we're a new creation. He's our life now and forever.